Mark chapter 14, and you look at verse 26 to verse 31. Now, I wonder what you what what you'd consider to be the ultimate expression of loyalty. Where have you seen someone being so loyal to someone and you're just blown away like, wow, that person is very loyal uh, to the thing they're into, to the person they're into. When, when I think about loyalty, I think of marriage. Like the marriage of Jack and John, who last year in August celebrated their 80th wedding anniversary. Uh, the pair have a combined age of 202, uh, and they still kiss each other goodnight. Uh, good old Jack uh, still treats his wife uh, to some flowers. Jack says, I am evidently doing something right, <laughs> as it has been 80 years since our wedding, and I have enjoyed every second with John. John says, uh, the sweetest thing that Jack has ever done has been to buy me pink carnations on our wedding anniversary every year since. It is wonderful to have people like that, isn't it? People in our lives who are loyal and faithful to us like that. And we all desire to know people that we can always depend on. The reality, of course, is that no matter how loyal people are to us, um, none of us can be 100% loyal and reliable to other people in every situation. Uh, Even John and Jack let each other down. Uh, As John puts it, with age comes patience. And I am 100 years old. I know it is not worth time or energy getting worked up over things such as putting the toilet seat down. So she knows about that. And of course, and then there is the question of death, isn't there? No matter how loyal someone is, one day they'll die. And we won't be there to enjoy their loyalty. So human loyalty has an end to it, no matter how good it is. Well, this evening, I want to remind you that there is someone, someone you already know, there is someone in life who is totally dependable and totally loyal. He's loyal to us not only in this life, but beyond the grave. Someone who's always on our side. And this person is Jesus, our God. Uh, He's always faithful to himself, to the Father, and to us. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us, whether in life or in death. Corona or no coronavirus, he's always going to be faithful to us. And as I said, we need to be reminded of the loyalty of Jesus uh, to God and especially to us at this dark time. uh, As we all try and get to grips with the darkness that is encircling us. Uh, there is nothing, I think, that tests our loyalty to God than suffering. In the days ahead, we, we will face many temptations to be disloyal to Jesus in different ways. And the way for us to remain ro- loyal to Jesus, to remain faithful to him, is to be aware that we are prone to wander from Jesus. And then also to remember that Jesus is always faithful to us. Our relationship with him does not depend on our, does not really depend on us, on our faithfulness actually. We should be faithful to him, but it doesn't depend on us. It is him who is completely faithful for us on our behalf. And so I just want to encourage you to, uh, to look to Jesus. Uh, to, to, to help you see this evening that the loyalty of Jesus really for us. Um, by looking at this passage in Mark chapter 14, verse 26 to 31. 
Now, last time we left Jesus and Co. in Jerusalem, you may remember for those who were here, and he was in the upper room. The prayer verses are all taking place in the upper room in Jerusalem. Uh, he was having uh, the Passover meal, and now they have finished having the Passover meal, and they're heading out uh, to the Mount of Olives. And as they're heading out, Jesus prophesies concerning the events that are about to unfold. And this prophecy is recorded in verse 26 to verse 31. I'll just read that again. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, I like that, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. I wonder how you would summarize that passage, what the big truth is trying to teach us. And when we do Bible study, we always ask, you know, we always ask that question, how would you summarize what this passage is teaching us? Well, I summarize it like this. I think the truth is teaching us is this. The loyalty of Jesus saves us from our disloyalty against God. I couldn't work out whether I should say the loyalty of Jesus saves us from our disloyalty to God. Uh, I think it's against God. I'll leave you to debate the English. Uh, so that's how I've summarized it. The loyalty of Jesus saves us from our disloyalty against God. That's what he's teaching us. So it is Thursday night, just to remind you. This is Passion Week. It's Thursday night just before the arrest of Jesus on Friday. And Jesus and the disciples have been eating um, the Passover meal together somewhere, as I said, in Jerusalem. And during dinner, Jesus dropped that bombshell, didn't he? He said one of the apostles, and who we know is Judas, is working hand in glove with the enemies of Jesus to put Jesus to death. And that's what Jesus did. That's why he predicted that. And then after that, he instituted the Lord's Supper, which you see in verse 22 to verse 25. He instituted the Lord's Supper to assure the apostles of his love and loyalty to them. Now, this group is now on the move again. They are going. And in fact, by the way, we remember that the Lord's Supper ended really with the, with that, with the fourth cup not being drunk. Um, and then we had some discussion around that. So they have gotten up without the, 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 the Passover finished, as it were, because Jesus himself is the Passover. And is, 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 as we said last time, he's pointing us forward uh, to, 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 the, to, to, the, to the future. There's an eschatological element to the, to, to, the, to the Lord's Supper. But we don't need to worry about that. The main thing is that they're getting up now and the group is on the move again. Let's look at verse 26. And when they had sung at him, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus and the eleven, they're now living under the cover of darkness to go to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus likes to pray. Uh, and we know, I think, from other, from other passages that Judas has already slipped out, right? Now, we don't know whether it's, whether it's while the group is walking to the Mount of Olives or while they are there that Jesus then drops the next Bombshell. Let's read verse 27 to verse 28. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, 
I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now just imagine me for a second. <laughs> imagine your spouse tells you, I know you claim to love me, but I know you cheat on me soon. How would you feel about that? Well, we're all married here. <laughs> I think we'll feel sadness, rage that somebody we, mar- we have married can question our loyalty like that when we're telling them that we are loyal to them. But what Jesus actually says here is even worse than that. He has just said that one of them will have him killed. Now, by doing that, he's basically saying they are no different from Judas at heart. He's saying, just like Judas, the 11 will prove to be cowards at heart. You will all fall away, he says. They will find the suffering for Jesus too heavy a burden to carry. They will abandon Jesus. Jesus is saying to them, you will socially distance yourself from me. You won't have anything to do with me. You will treat me like a deadly virus. But that is because you have a spiritual virus of sin within you. You are part of a fallen humanity that is prone to abandon the God who created you. That's what basically Jesus is saying. He's saying, you will all fall away. Now Peter has heard what Jesus said very well, I'm sure, and he disagrees. He agrees that all the others will fall away, right? But he believes Jesus is wrong about him. Let's read verse 29, how Peter responds. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Why is Peter being so stubborn here? Well, the answer is because he's Peter, right? Peter is part of that inner circle of three people alongside the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John. And these people, they are always with Jesus. They went there to, when Jesus was healing Jairus' daughter. When Jesus went to the mountain of transfiguration, these three are there. Peter himself has seen Jesus transfigured in glory on that mountain. He has briefly walked on water in faith before he stumbled. He has confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter is as close to Jesus as any of us can get. And in fact, we learn in John that Peter, in his heart, really does love Jesus. Do you remember that passage in John where he says to Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. And we know Peter means that. We can be sure that to Peter, Jesus means the world to him. He really does. He spent three years with Jesus. So Peter must be even more shocked to hear Jesus say, Peter, you not only abandon me, you deny me with that very mouth of yours. The same mouth that says I've got it wrong, you're going you're gonna to abandon me with that. You're, gonna, you, you, you're going to reject me with that. Let's read verse 30 to verse 31. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crossed twice, you deny me three times. But he said, that is Peter, emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. 
And they all, all of them, all said the same thing. All the disciples have refused that they would deny Jesus. We tend to forget this. We tend to just narrow it down to Peter. But it is all of them that are denying that they will deny Jesus. Right? But when we glance over to verse 50, what do we read? We read that they all left him and fled. They all sat at the table with Jesus in the upper room. They all denied that they would reject Jesus at the Mount of Olives. And now in verse 50, they all fall away. Jesus' prophecy came true. Why is this important? Well, what Mark is trying to communicate to us here is that he wants us to see that even the best followers of Jesus in the end will be disloyal to our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the best of us. And the other thing he wants us to see is that it's not simply a human being these disciples will forsake. It is God in the flesh. These prophecies of Jesus here are meant to demonstrate to us that Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator God walking through the pages of human history. Because Jesus here is demonstrating perfect foreknowledge that only God has. He knows how Peter will fall. He knows all of them who abandon him. He knows that he's going to die and rise from death. He knows every detail about his life and their life. So what Mark is doing here is that he's showing us that these apostles, the best of us, who have worked with God the Son for three years, in the end will prove disloyal to God himself. And in their disloyalty, the apostles are representing all of humanity. They are disloyal to Jesus. Why? Why are they disloyal to Jesus? Despite their best efforts. They are disloyal to Jesus because the best of us are still born disloyal to God. This is the essence of human sin. Sin is spiritually distancing yourself from God at all times. It is putting yourself first. It is living only for yourself. And the truth of the matter is that all of us are only loyal to ourselves. We are born like that. We must say we are born that way. The Bible says all of us are born distancing ourselves from God. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So what the apostles are proving here is that none of us can make ourselves stay. It's so important we get that. The apostles are proving that none of us can make ourselves stay loyal to God. You and I are prone to be disloyal to God. We are chronic rebels. We are chronic sinners. But thankfully, that is not all that Mark wants to teach us here. He shows us that there is someone here who is completely loyal. Our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, since Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, our Lord has kept reminding us that he has come to suffer. Do you remember Mark chapter 8? If you glance over that, you're familiar with these verses. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 to verse 32 says this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Just immediately after the confession, right? And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed. And after three days rise again. And the Bible says, and he said this plainly. 
And you can glance over to chapter 9, verse 30 to 32. We have another prediction of the passion. In chapter 10, verse 32 to verse 34, we have another prediction of the passion. In verse 45, we have that ransom saying, isn't it? That the Son of Man came to be a ransom for many. So throughout Mark, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, Jesus keeps making these passion predictions. What is the point with all of these predictions? Why are they in Mark? Well, Mark wants us to make, not to miss the big point. And the point is this. Jesus is the opposite of us. We are completely disloyal, including the apostles. But Jesus is completely loyal to his father. He is committed to do the work of God. And we recognize what this work is. What is this work? This work is laying down his life on the cross. As to be a ransom for many. To be a payment for our sin. His mission is stated in verse 27. It is to be struck down by God for us. Look at verse 27 again. And Jesus said to them, You all fall away. For it is written, I, that is God, will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know, this is a quote from Zechariah 12, verse 7, where God prophesies striking the man who stands by him is Messiah. And by quoting Zechariah, Jesus is saying, look, all that is happening, including the disloyalty of the disciples, all of it is orchestrated by God the Father. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know, when Jesus says that God will strike him, the shepherd, he has in mind not only the arrest in Gethsemane, which is we are going to look at next week, but also his death on the cross. How do I know? Look at verse 28. But after I am raised up, after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus is saying, the striking of a shepherd will result in death. But I will conquer death on the cross and rise for you on the third day. I'll go ahead of you to Galilee. And that brings us to the heart, the amazing truth of this passage. And it is this. Jesus is not just saying to the apostles that he will remain loyal to them after they abandon him. He is saying he is willingly allowing their disloyalty to him because is being loyal to his father for them, for us. He has come to die the death we deserve. He has come to, be, to stand in in our disloyalty. He has come to be loyal for us in our place. That's the essence of verse 28. Look at it again. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. In other words, by Jesus remaining faithful to his father... While well, they have abandoned him, he's fulfilling all righteousness. And he's confident that God will raise him up because he's living the obedient life that we cannot live. And he's doing it for us. Jesus is being loyal so that he can take his perfect record of loyalty to the cross and die in order to exchange it with your and my sinful record. My disloyalty. On the cross, he swaps is perfect loyalty for your disloyalty. So if you trust in the death of Jesus for your sin, God can now look upon your life as if you are without sin, if you trust in him. You can now be allowed to live with him. 
Jesus is the good and loyal shepherd who has come to lay down his life for the sheep. He has shed his faithful blood to wipe away your sins and mine. And this is what salvation means, isn't it? Salvation is Jesus being loyal to God in your place. The loyalty of Jesus, the loyal life of Jesus, we might say, saves us from our disloyalty against God. And that's how I got to my big idea. That big idea. What is the big idea of this passage? Is that the loyalty of Jesus saves us from our disloyalty against God. So I've just explained how I got the big idea and just explained that truth. The question we need to ask is this. What does this then mean for us this evening? What applications can we take from that truth? Well, I think there are three applications for us. The first application is, let us be thankful for the loyalty of Jesus to his Father for us. Thankfulness. That has to be the start. Jesus loved us so much that he shed his precious blood for our sins. He did not give half of his loyalty. He did not give half of himself. He gave full loyalty, all of himself, to death for us. He did not give himself for you ignorantly. We are seeing here that he went to that cross knowing full well that his heavenly father will pour on him the wrath, the full wrath of God, the full wrath that you deserve will be poured on Jesus. Oh, beloved, be thankful that Jesus remained loyal to God for us because if he didn't, that would be us going under the full punishment of God. But because Jesus has remained loyal, well, God now welcomes us to himself. If you are in Jesus now, to put it plainly, if you are in Jesus, which you are, if you are in Jesus, you are now completely loyal to God. It's quite extraordinary. Because the loyalty of Jesus covers your disloyalty. Despite all your sin, all your failures, all your weaknesses, as a true follower of Jesus, God has declared you completely loyal before Jesus through the atoning work of Jesus. So thankfulness must be our first response. Secondly, it is more thankfulness. We, let us be thankful for Jesus' ongoing loyalty, ongoing loyalty to us. Let's be thankful that Jesus was loyal to God for us. But let's also be thankful that Jesus is loyal to us, as human beings. Look at how Jesus commits himself to care for his followers in verse 28. Look at verse 28. Extraordinary. But after I am raised up, after you have abandoned me, after you have left me behind, Jesus says, I will go before you, traitors, to Galilee. He's saying to them, look, I know you are prone to wander from me. You are prone to leave my love. But I have accepted you up front. I will always be with you, even to the end. I will always be ahead of you and for you. Oh, what a promise here, isn't it? What a promise for us living in this dark hour with the coronavirus and other challenges around us. 
Is our Savior not saying the same thing to each of us today? Oh, surely he is. He's saying to us, I know you'll be afraid of death in the coming week. I know you may even, you will sin against me. With all manner of selfishness and greed. I know instead of looking to me, you will be tempted to look to politicians and scientists to serve you at all cost. I know that in the end, you may even be tempted, strongly tempted to be led astray for a moment. I know fears will surround you and you'll be so anxious. You'll look to other things for answers. I know you will do all of these things and more. And Jesus is saying, look, I hate every fiber of what you do with my... I hate, I hate everything you do, to, if you like, with every fiber of my divine bone, to put it that way, right? That he hates our sin. And yet at the same time he's saying to us, listen to me, I will always be with you. Even to the end. Let us be thankful for this wonderful and gracious promise. Let us hold on dearly to verse 28. I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus is saying, look, our disloyalty against him can never be the last word. Why? Because he is our shepherd. Our life with God doesn't depend on us. It depends only on him. And he's so deeply committed to us, his people, who he has purchased at such a great cost to himself by his precious blood. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We are the sheep of Jesus. He is our good shepherd. We have no identity of our own. We belong to him who guides and cares for us in life and in death. Now, of course, sadly, some, of, some people are only too prone to misunderstand what we see in this passage. Some people see Jesus' grace and they may say, well, that's a license to sin. Not at all. Quite the opposite. The Puritan Richard Sibbs says this, Grace will never join with sin any more than fire with water. Therefore, those that plead and plot for liberties for the flesh show themselves strangers from the life of God. You see, the loyalty of Jesus is for those who are truly his followers, people who are following Jesus even as they stumble in disloyalty in many ways. It is for those who have totally surrendered to Jesus and have received a new heart that longs for God, that desires to live for him. But while they are still here on earth, they will stumble, right? True followers of Jesus cannot hear that Jesus is loyal to us and then proceed to act their sins even tighter. No, they will continue to fight against sin, continuing not in their strength, but resting at the same time in the grace that Jesus has has poured out for them. On the cross. Coronavirus or no coronavirus? If we are converted, we feel grieved that we are often disloyal against the Savior who bled and died on the cross to take our sins. And that is reminding us that yes, we do love Him. We are crushed by our sins. But we're not going to lean on our own loyalty. We're going to keep leaning on His loyalty. We're going to fall down, we're going to be disloyal, but we're going to come back. Not trying to pull ourselves up, but depending on the cross and the cross alone. This is the point I'm making. Because Jesus is loyal for us, if we are now in him, and we are, we must now live and long to live a loyal life before God, just like Jesus. 
depending on Christ, being led by Christ as our example. And this brings us to the third application. So the first application, I said, is that we must be thankful to Jesus being loyal to God for us. The second application I said is that we must be thankful for Jesus continuing to be loyal to us every day in life. Well, the final application is that we must keep on being loyal to God like our Lord Jesus. We must grow in being loyal to God like our Lord Jesus Christ. In days ahead, as I said, we'll face many temptations to abandon our loyalty to the God who has loved us and shed his blood on the cross for our sins. We, we may face, for example, challenges from the government. The, the government may impose certain laws that discriminate against churches. They may, they may say, well, everybody must you know, abstain from, from public places, but they may lift restrictions for some groups and keep churches there. How, will, how are we going to respond to that as believers? There is that question. We may find that very, very tempted to go along with something that's completely ungodly. There will be a temptation for us to perhaps, in face of evaporating food in supermarkets, to hoard food and other resources rather than live sacrificially and care for our neighbors. We may be tempted to reduce how much we give to the work of God because just Life is just becoming difficult and we're worried about the future, so we may cut down on giving to support the work of God. That's a temptation. We, are like, we, are, we have a lot of time on our hands now. We may find ourselves spending time online, too much time online, flicking between one godless form of indulgence to another. We, our, 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 the, things, our, the level of, uh, of what we regard as holy may well go down. We know there are many Christians who are not meeting today, and uh, I did take time just to look at what was happening on, YouTube, on Facebook. And it seems that believers are not generally treating today really like the Lord's Day. They seem just to be on virtual world, posting after posting. The way they would have observed the Lord's Day, perhaps, uh, when they were attending physically, it's completely changed now how they're observing the Lord's Day today. So those are some of the temptations we may face where we may downgrade our, our love for God and our holiness. We may be tempted to keep quiet about Jesus, isn't it? As we are forced to share space with family members that hate Jesus. We know we are stuck with them now for three months, four months. And we may feel wary about mentioning the name of Christ. You see, simply put, all sin is disloyalty to God. And as we've been going through Mark... I've collected, I think, over 20 to 25 images of sin that are portraits of sin, as I call them, that are shown to us in Mark. And one of the portraits we are seeing here, the way, the, what we're learning from this passage, is that actually sin, one way we could define it, is that it is disloyalty to God. All sin is disloyalty to God because the DNA of sin is to put ourselves first rather than God. Sin is refusing to submit our will to Christ. And we need to be aware of this because nothing brings more temptation to sin in this way than suffering. All suffering tempts us to depend on ourselves or on the world rather than Jesus. The temptation to be disloyal to Jesus, of course, is hard to resist, isn't it? Because we live in a society that says, me is all I have. I mean, that's why the supermarkets are empty, right? This is the worldview that has emptied the supermarket. It is a godless worldview. It says to us, 
you are not doing well unless you look after number one. But Jesus here is modeling for us what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. It is being loyal to God, to him, even when it costs us. It is being, being able to say, you will all fall away. Why? For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. It is submitting ourselves, as Jesus is doing here, to the will of God. Even when it causes, it is death to self. Right? Because Jesus has truly taken up the cross, isn't he? He has submitted his will to the Father. And that's what we must do in the days ahead. We must ask God to help us to put him first. And how do we stay loyal to God, like Jesus? Oh, Jesus has done it. Now, of course, Jesus is God. But he's done it by depending on the Holy Spirit, who has empowered him since his baptism. But most importantly, I think we're seeing it again on how Jesus is doing it. Jesus is depending on the Word of God. The Word of God through our place, again, he quotes it here. This is a Savior, our Savior who knows the Scripture. He has read Zechariah. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to grow to be loyal like Jesus, let us know the word. Let us prioritize. Because so much time, some of us have appreciated, not everybody does. Let us prioritize. Set aside the time to study the word in our families. Understand it deeper. Share it around the dinner table. Uh, and so that we can grow together in knowing Christ more and more. And of course, prayer. We will see prayer. Because after this, Jesus, where does he go? Gethsemane. Gethsemane is prayer. What we have seen Jesus already do in chapter 3, I think, or chapter when he withdraws for prayer, we're seeing Jesus again going to return to Gethsemane. So the word and prayer, just as we learned this morning, these are the two things that we need if we're going to keep growing in, in, in our lives. There is no secret on what we need to do in these dark times. There's no secret. It is simple, but difficult, right? We need to grow in resting on our loyalty of Jesus for us by reading the word and prayer. Reading the word in a way that keeps reminding us of Jesus and praying the truths of scripture. That is the way to do the word and prayer. And through that, we'll learn to rely on the loyalty of Jesus and not on our own loyalty. Well, may the Lord help us to grow in depending on the loyalty of Christ to help us be thankful for the loyalty of Jesus before the Father for us and help us to be thankful uh, for his continuing loyalty uh, in our lives. Amen.